Well, good day, everybody. I'm Sam. And I'm Mike. And we are the extras. Mike, we're back. We're back. It's a bit, we had a week off last week. We've had we? a couple of a couple of weird weeks. Sorry about the uh, the frequency thing. Uh, we, we're, we're kind of responding to the volume of questions that come in, and uh, last week we managed to get them all done on a Sunday night, so we, we <laughs> gave ourselves a, a podcast off. We were so crystal clear, uh, yes, in our well, preaching, actually, obviously. Well, except the, the problem was it was uh, Mark Stevens preaching, right? And, uh, not us. Maybe that says something. That's not the problem. That's the maybe yeah, that's yeah. the solution. <laughs> maybe that's how we solve this thing going forward. We hey, just... we're very thankful for Mark, aren't we? Mark oh. Stevens did a great job. Ben. Uh, serving us and preaching God's word. He's a very gifted preacher and knows revelation like the back of his hand. Yeah, what a great blessing it's been. And uh, we had we even had a slightly extended live question time Sunday night and managed to get through seven or eight questions. But there are a few leftovers. Uh, sorry for those we didn't get to you, but we're getting we're going to get to you now. We'll do our best to kind of um, put our our channel our inner Mark Stevens perhaps, <laughs> or maybe just use the spirit of God and, and the word of God. We'll, we can do that at least. Uh, we'll have a crack. <laughs> we'll see how we go. Uh, remind us, Mike, uh, where have we been last week? Uh, last Sunday at church, uh, what were we looking at with Mark? Uh, we're in Revelation 17 and 18, and we're introduced to uh, another character, uh, the prostitute. Uh, the prostitute who's on Team Beast, she rides on the beast. Uh, the prostitute who's also described as a as a as a city, uh, and a particular city, uh, Babylon, who is a city that's always in rebellion against God. And uh, the chapter talked about her, the way that she seduces, tries to seduce us as Christians away from Christ to following her, and really uh, Sydney. Uh, is a bit of a Babylon, is a bit of a prostitute, and it's easy for us as Christians to be seduced into thinking that Sydney is all we need and Sydney is where we find our security and our identity and our belonging and we don't really need God. But uh, yeah, Revelation 17 18 reminds us that Sydney and Babylon's time is short, their days are numbered and you don't want to live for her seduction. Yeah, so there's that call, isn't it, to come out from her? That's the way to keep this part of, of Revelation. That's a helpful thing to keep asking each week. How do I keep this? Yeah. And the, the call is come out um, it's because she's, she's under judgment. Yeah, and to come out doesn't necessarily mean we move to Mudgee or... Tari, I think. Tari, thank you. the suggestion that Love Tari. Lithgow, maybe? That's my go-to city of distance. Okay. It's not a physical coming out. It's a spiritual coming out. It's giving your allegiance to Christ and actually living for the city that is to come because not only is Babylon's days numbered, but God actually has a better city in store for us. And that's the new Jerusalem that's mm. coming. That's coming. A couple of weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll land there. Uh, all right, well, let's dive into some questions uh, from Sunday. And uh, we've got uh, four to, to cover. Um, so we should be able to move through these. Um, someone's got a question, Mike, uh, from Revelation 18. And uh, in, in verse 7 there, there's, um, it seems that, that Babylon is speaking and referring herself as a queen, but not a, not a widow. Um, and uh, someone's asking, what, what does that comparison mean? between queen and widow and perhaps is the widow there is that the metaphor for for the church or perhaps for Christ what just explain that for us there what's um, what's what's going on, going in on there? yeah so this is the prostitute slash Babylon speaking and uh, she is one of her characteristics is she is proud and arrogant and that's why in verse 7 um, 
she says in her heart, she boasts that she's a queen and not a widow. In other words, she's kind of saying, I'm all powerful, I'm indestructible, death will not uh, harm me or my people, uh, I am indestructible. It, it's her in her arrogance speaking, uh, <laughs> to which God promptly says, actually, um, uh, you are about to die. Um, so this is not a metaphor for the church or for Christ. This is uh, this is the heart of the woman, the prostitute, Babylon speaking. And and to be a widow, I guess, in that in, in a early culture is to be destitute. To have you know, there's no social security, there's no public housing. Uh, if you're a widow, you don't have an income, you don't have a husband to, to help you on that front. Um, that's a very um, difficult place to be. And so to to sort of say haughtily, oh, I'm not a widow. Um, is to say I'm I'm all good. I've got my I've got myself sorted. Indestructible, untouchable. Yeah, that's right. I'm safe. Yeah, nothing to fear. That's the picture here. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, the second question, Mike, we got for today is from chapter 17, um, and particularly verse seven. And it's interesting in verses seven to nine, um, we get as the reader of Revelation uh, kind of a look on the inside of one of the images here. And so verse seven says, I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast uh, with seven horns and 10 horns that carries her. And then eight and nine go to sort of unpack that image of, mm. uh, of the woman of the city, Babylon. Um, and someone's asked, look, sometimes perhaps here in, in 17.7, we get a specific explanation for an image in, in Revelation. But then in other bits of Revelation, we don't get that specific kind of, hey, here's the interpretive key. Um, why, why do we get it here and perhaps why not in other areas? It'd be nice, wouldn't it, if Revelation gave us those kind of clear explanations for every little symbol and every little image and illusion. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, why not? Well, that's a question we'll ask God. Uh, why didn't he reveal it all and make it all crystal clear? Um, however, I, I do want to say that there are quite a few explanations of Revelation, both within Revelation and within Scripture. And so if you actually come back to Revelation chapter 1, um, verse 19 and 20, the mystery of the seven stars that are in Jesus' right hand and the seven lampstands is revealed. So the seven stars are the angels and the seven church, of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So there's one explanation. Uh, I'm just flicking over in chapter 7, <coughs> excuse me, verse 14. Um, John, in a vision, sees uh, a crowd of people and he kind of wonders who they are. And uh, the angel tells him in verse 14 of chapter 7, these are those who have come out of the tribulation, the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So there's another explanation given. That's really helpful. Chapter 12 has one with the devil. Chapter 12. With the dragon, at least. Yeah, yeah. The great red dragon is, in verse 9, called the ancient serpent, the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. So so this is not unique, what's going on here in in chapter 17. It it happens at other stages through the book, too. Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, we'd love more of them. (laughs) Uh, That'd be nice, but we don't get those. Why do we get those three and not others? Uh, I'm not quite sure exactly why. Uh, It doesn't always seem to be that the explanation is given at um, really, really important points. There's some bits that are really important, like who is the lamb, that are not given explicit explanation. Um, but I do want to say a couple of other things. Um, even if explicit explanations aren't given, there's lots of other explanations given that are perhaps less explicit. Um, so, for example, there's a really cool little pattern in Revelation where 
John often hears something and then sees something. And often those two aspects of the vision speak to each other. So the, the classic example is um, in chapter 5 where uh, John hears of the lion but sees the lamb. And those two actually speak to each other and help us to interpret each other. Who is the lion? Well, he's the lamb. And who's the lamb? He's the lion. Um, so that often happens. So look out for that little pattern, hear and saw. There's another cool little pattern is that often a vision is um, uh, explained by what some of the characters within the vision say or sing. So again, in Revelation chapter 5, where you get the lion and the lamb, um, there's a new song sung uh, in verse 9 that talks about the lamb who is worthy to open the scroll because he's purchased men by his blood for God. And uh, so often what is sung interprets what is seen and heard. Yeah, that's helpful. And then the last one, of course, and hopefully you've uh, heard this a million times from me, is really the key for understanding all these symbols of Revelation, all the illusions, is the Old Testament. And so God actually does give us kind of the answers, uh, perhaps not at the back of the book like a math textbook, but actually in the front of the book in, in the Old Testament, you get a lot of the interpretative uh, keys and tools to understand Revelation. And that, that's interesting. That's part of the genre here in Revelation, isn't it? That, that all of these tools, uh, all of these um, kind of techniques, I guess, in the way it's written, um, come together to, to paint a picture for us. Part, perhaps part of the problem is we catch the explicit ones, but we miss the implicit ones. And maybe the issue there is not Revelation, but us. Um, <laughs> in that um, many of us, when we open up our Bibles, are, are just more comfortable to go and read Matthew or John or something in the New Testament than we are to go back and read Ezekiel or read Jeremiah. Um, but I think as Christians, we've got to steal ourselves for the task of reading the whole Bible, both Testaments, um, because otherwise we miss what's going on in Revelation because we just aren't getting stuck into Daniel and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and you know digging through um, the, the wonderful richness that is there and therefore we, we miss stuff and we think it's not obvious in Revelation. When it is obvious, we just uh, aren't reading our Old Testament enough. Because God does want us not just to read the Word, but actually to study it to meditate on it, even to memorize it, um, so that it gets written on our hearts. And so, um, God, in His grace, won't always spoon-feed us the answers. Uh, Actually, it's going to be more helpful for us if we do some of the hard yards. Yeah, thanks. That's really helpful. All right, uh, question three. Um, This one came in uh, with regards to some of the stuff uh, Mark was saying on Sunday about uh, people in the image of God. And uh, the question is coming just to clarify, are non-Christian people also in the image of God or is it just Christians? Um, Mark was saying that, you know, as he was was, um, thinking through politics and and one of the difficulties of being a a disciple of Jesus in in making political uh, kind of uh, affiliation is that there doesn't seem to be anyone who treats all people as in the image of God, uh, whether that's the unborn or the elderly or the refugee or whoever that is. Mm. Uh, different parties will, will look after one but not the other, and that, that makes it difficult for a disciple of Christ politically. Um, but the, the, someone's then asked, well, hang on, are all people in the image of God? Who's in the image of God? <laughs> yeah. how, how does that whole uh, thing work? Yeah, so this takes us right back to the beginning, doesn't it? In the book of Genesis, where God says in chapter 1, verse 26, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let us make them rule. And uh, yeah, so all creation, all, all sorry, all uh, humanity is made in the image of God. 
And then sadly, in Genesis chapter 3, uh, with, the, uh, with, with the sin of Adam and Eve, the fall of humanity, um, we lose something of that image. Uh, that image is tarnished, it's broken, it's cracked in some way. Mm. Um, and the great thing about Christ is he comes really to kind of restore us back to that original image of God. Um, as he was the uh, the image of the invisible God, and so the more we become like Christ, the more we uh, reflect the image of God. Um, but does that mean only Christians are in the image of God? No, no. Um, all people are still in the image of God. It's just Christians are being remade into the image of God. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, we we t- touched on this uh, two terms ago when we did Genesis. Yeah, um, and I, I I was using the image when I was preaching through that of of kind of like a broken mirror. Um, you still see see something of the image, but there are cracks through it, and there's brokenness to it, and and largely because we were locating the image of God in um, in in our likeness to God as ruler, and uh, we human beings are still on the earth as as the rulers of this earth, but we don't do it in such a way that reflects. God's gracious and good rule, and uh, so we we still bear the image of God, just not as as it should be. Uh, but that, uh, but when it comes to valuing people, we, we are still utterly uh, all of us valuable uh, because of our being made in the image of God. And so that yeah, that from the unborn right through to the to the elderly, um, w- w- people are inherently valuable because they bear God's image. That's it. So we love all people. Yep. We stand up for the rights of all people. We want to speak up for all people mm. because everybody is still in the image of God. That's right. Yeah. Okay, last one. Um, this one came in uh, as a question about the song that we've been singing. Now, that is a banger. Uh, that, that, that song that we've been singing, uh, Follow oh, yeah. the Lamb. Uh, well-written, thoughtful, uh, you know, uh, helpful song that... Uh, anyway. Who wrote that? Oh, wait. <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway, no, no, no. Uh, the, I love this because someone's... Uh, this is a good thing to do, to think hard about the lyrics of the songs that we're singing. And, uh, yep, that, that's really good. Uh, someone's texted in... Uh, Jesus, you will overcome, and that is the, the one of the the lines of our song. Um, and then just follow that up with uh, "Overcome what?" <laughs> uh, so, Mike, we we wrote this song, and um, we did trying to make it helpful for us as we uh, respond to the Book of Revelation, and uh, as we so that we can sort of sing and write some of these truths on our hearts. What were we getting at with this whole idea of overcoming? Overcoming, yeah. And what, what are we overcoming? What are we overcoming? Well, this is really cool because uh, in the song, there's three verses and there's one line that repeats three times but changes slightly. I don't know if you've noticed this in the song. Um, in the first verse, it says, Jesus, you have overcome. In the second verse, it says, Jesus, you will overcome. And in the third verse, it says, by Jesus, we Christians will overcome. So there's kind of three levels or layers or timings of overcomingness, and that's like the last line of of, this, of each verse. Of isn't each it? verse, that's right. So and Revelation kind of talks in three in those three ways. So Jesus has overcome Satan, uh, the devil, the dragon, and all evil uh, by his death and resurrection by being the as slain Lamb. And so we rejoice that Jesus has overcome. Victory has happened. Um, and yet, uh, Revelation speaks, and we know this um, by personal experience, that um, there's still kind of the mopping up to do, i.e. Jesus has overcome, 
But evil still is around and sin and suffering is still around. And so Revelation speaks about Jesus will overcome. And really, as we land in Revelation 19 and 20 this week, that's where we're going to uh, focus our attention. Uh, So Jesus has overcome in the cross. Jesus will overcome when he comes back again and kind of wraps the whole thing up. Uh, And then the third one, by Jesus, we will overcome. One of the great truths of Revelation, uh, particularly in chapter 12, is that we as Christians also overcome the devil as we hold on to our testimony of Jesus. And as we speak that testimony, we also overcome. Hmm. So that's helpful. And so I guess the structure of the song is that the start of each verse lays out one of the difficulties that the, 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 the Christian uh, is, will go through as they follow the Lamb and then uh, remembers that Jesus has overcome it, Jesus will overcome it, and actually in Jesus we will overcome. And so that's the structure. So so that what does Jesus overcome? Well, it's whatever uh, thing we've, we've mentioned at the start of each verse. And so it's sort of, that's that's the thing. And, and that's often the experience of the Christian life, that you, you bump up against a difficulty and you think, oh, this is so hard living for Christ here. And then we need to remember actually Jesus has overcome actually Jesus will overcome and actually in Christ one day we will reign victoriously with him and we we will overcome and that has to be uh, each time we, we struggle and it's hard work to follow the lamb we need to remember that the victory of Jesus and so just remember that see that structure as you sing the song on a, on a Sunday and um, and that's what we're trying to get at there fantastic yeah okay uh, that's it for the questions for this week Mike do you want to paint us a pick quick uh, a quick picture of where we're going this Sunday in Revelation. Revelation 19 and 20 really is the wrapping up. It is this Jesus will overcome. It's Jesus finally um, uh, kind of put crudely putting the nail in the coffin uh, of the the dragon, the beast, the false prophet, the prostitute, uh, all the kings. They're going to meet their end in chapters 19 and 20. And that is all really to clear the ground so that the new city, the new Jerusalem can then come, which is chapters 21 and 22. Fantastic. Looking forward to that. I mean, it's going to be a pretty straightforward passage from the millennium, you know, yeah, no, nothing, nothing, nothing complicated in there. Nothing too, too tricky. So I might turn my phone off during uh, during question time. <laughs> no, we, we'd love the questions. Please, please ask, please wrestle with this part of the word. It is, it is one of the harder bits of Revelation, isn't it, coming up? Look, I, I'd love your prayers this week. Uh, listeners, um, please pray for, for me and for Andrew Robson as we're preparing this part. It is one of the trickier parts of Revelation. And yet I do think the message again is clear. We may not get all mm. the details, but... Uh, in terms of how you keep this uh, part of Revelation, uh, it's pretty clear and there's great blessings to be had. Beautiful. All right, we'll leave it there for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening and uh, hope that's been helpful for you. Thanks, Mike, for all your wisdom and work in the book of Revelation. And uh, we will see you guys at church on Sunday. See ya.